Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Now, if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And now today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Mr. Evan Morgenstein. Now, I was going to read this bio about Evan to introduce him, just like I read every guest's bio, but Evan and I were chatting and he's going to actually introduce himself. So that's something new that we're doing on the show. So Evan, go ahead and introduce yourself. First of all, who's Mr. Evan Morgenstein? I don't know who the Mr. is. That, I'll save that for my dad. He's Mr. I'm not Mr. Well, it's very nice to be on the podcast with you, Jen. I appreciate it, and I really love what you do. My, my bio is sort of simple, right? I uh, graduated college in 87, moved out to California, took a couple of jobs with software companies, both of them owned by IBM, did that for a few years, took a job with an independent company that sold software to chiropractors, uh, got fired. Best thing that ever happened to me. Tell you about that later. And uh, worked diligently on trying to find a job in sports because it's all I ever wanted to do. My dad played football at Syracuse. So I was always around that. And what I realized was you don't go to the LA Times to find a job in sports. So I, I really worked it hard and got in with a company that represented 16 NBA players. Did that for two years. Took two of the players. Started my own agency. You see, there's a history here. And then uh, I've done that for 28 years until two weeks before the pandemic, and I decided I needed a refresh. So I killed the agency that basically is helped me raise four kids, built two houses, and uh, pay all my bills for 28 years because it seemed like a good idea. And I started the Digital Renegades. And the Digital Renegades is a boutique shop that represents some of the best social media influencers. We do consulting also through my company, Slub Experts, for companies that are interested in things like TikTok, TikTok marketing, sales. And through the process of signing a lot of TikTok celebrities, realized that there was a massive opening in the food space and started a, a new company called the Food Renegades, which is the largest aggregation of chefs, cooks, and bakers on TikTok. We have now 10 chefs. They represent over 6 million followers and 160 million likes. And I sleep about three hours a night. Wow. I did, <laughs> I did that in less than five minutes. That's good. You gave there me five you minutes. You said more than five minutes. I'm pushing the button. <laughs> That's a great intro. So you you mentioned a few seconds ago getting fired from a job. So let's start there because that's kind of what sure. set you off in this uh, other direction. So talk to us about that job, what happened and where you went next. So I was like, you know, mid to late 20 year old living in Marina Del Rey with my girlfriend, uh, who is now my wife. And, you know, it was it was like one of those situations where I didn't really love the job, but I was doing pretty well, making a lot of money, but they knew I didn't love the job. And I think I just got a little bit too arrogant. You know, I was playing a lot of golf and tennis. I was going out almost every night having drinks. And I woke up one morning at seven o'clock in the morning to a phone call. I thought it was a wrong number. And it was my sales manager, Timmy Tolan. Timmy Tolan and I are LinkedIn buddies still to this day. And he's like, Evan, because he's from Georgia. He goes, Evan, he's like, I got good news and I got bad news. I'm like, what's the good news? He's like, you can go back to sleep. I said, what's the bad news? He's like, I just fired your ass. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I went back to sleep, hung up the phone, went back to sleep, woke up. And I asked my girlfriend, I'm like, 
I think I just had a dream. I got fired. She's like, no dumbass. You actually just got fired. I'm like, Oh my God. Now what do I do? And therein lies what happens to entrepreneurs versus people that will get jobs for the rest of their life. Instead of looking for a job, I looked for my forever, right? There's a fork in the road. It's just what happens. Now, not all of them are, are predicated on getting fired, right? A lot of people get fired, but you know, it's like breaking up on a bad relationship. It's so hard to do, but once you do it, you're like, how's I ever with that person? Same thing, exact same thing. It's like, how's I ever in technology? I can't even use my phone. I'm an idiot. Anyway, so I figured, you know what? Sports was my, my uh, you know, avenue and, you know, I went in that direction and boy, I'll tell you, every time I take a risk and mitigate my fear, something good happens, just like the digital renegades. For three days, I was crying in my beer, like, oh my God, like everybody else, I'm going to be out of business. Uh, we're going to have to sell the house. And then three days later, my phone started ringing like crazy and it hasn't stopped since because the fact is the world needs social influence to sell products because everything's D to C when the world is shut down. It's just a fact. So, and I appreciate you sharing that. So, I mean, what, what makes you great is your ability to understand the environment and adapt with changing times. But before we get to that, let's talk about what was that first year like for you in this new venture? You got fired from a job, you pivoted, and you went in a different direction. Talk to us about what that first year was like, some of the highs, maybe some of the lows. Well, look, so here's how it started. I got fired. I spent two weeks getting really drunk. And when I came out of the stupor, remember, I'm in my mid-20s. I'm 54 years old now, so it was a long time ago. But after I came out of the stupor and I was starting to run low on cash, I'm like, I got to go do something. And so, you know, I actually went and found a couple of job interviews. The LA Clippers back, back in the day, think about this, the LA Clippers in the 90s, how bad they were. I went to a job interview for the sales manager job and there was like 30 people in a circle and, and the director of sales one at a time pointed to people and started yelling at them and asking them why they wanted to be with the Clippers. And half of them didn't speak English. And by the time he got to me, I told him to go screw himself. And I got out of line and left. So that was my first experience in sports. Didn't go as well as I thought, but hey, at least I went. And then, you know, I just started meandering a little bit and trying to figure, you know what, I got I to gotta figure this out better. So I went to a library. There was actually libraries back then. And I took out a reference book called The Sports Marketplace. And I literally, because back then I didn't have a computer, I typed out on a typewriter 148 cover letters sent it out with my resume. And because I was an arrogant son of a gun, I'm like, I'm going to get a lot of job offers. I got two replies. One was a no. And the other one was like, mm, I'm not sure if you're, you're relevant. You know, your sales background is relevant in what we do, but come in for an interview. And that was fluid sports and entertainment doesn't exist anymore. But at the time they represented 16 NBA players. And I interviewed him and I walked out of there thinking I got the job, right? The guy that owned the company was a New York Nick. I'm from New York. What could be better, right? Didn't happen that way. So I got in touch with them for probably 60 days. And finally, I'm like, damn, I am literally almost out of money. I got to make a big move. So I knew the vice president of marketing and co-owner of the company would go in at 830 in the morning. So I waited by the front door. This is before anybody knew anything about stalkers. And I waited at the front door. And literally, he shows up. He's like, hey, Evan, you got an interview in the building? I said, yeah, with you. He's like, what? He's like, I had an interview? I'm like, yeah, I got something I want to offer you. He goes, okay. So we sat down. And I said, look, here's what I'll do. I'll work for you for 30 days for free. I'll make 150 calls a day, and I'll close my first deal by the end of the month. And you don't have to pay me anything if I don't do it. And if you don't like what I do, you can, you can get rid of me. He goes, I'll take that deal. And I just kept on selling. He's like, I'll take that deal. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, I got a job? He's like, yeah, you got a job. Come back on Monday. So I came back on Monday. And again, like I told you before, every time I take risks and mitigate fear, something good happens. 
Two weeks after I took the job, the director of sales took a job with Coca-Cola. They immediately hired me as the director of sales. And like I said, I did it for a year and a half after, two years after, and then started my own agency. So you just got to have some, you know, nuts in this business. If you want to be successful, you just can't, you can't be afraid. And even if you are, you can't let anybody know you're afraid. It's okay to be afraid. I'm sure I was afraid, but you got to somehow walk through it if your goal is to be successful. If you just want to be a number, if you just want to be one of the crowd, hey, you know, all you need to do is just keep doing what you're doing. But if you don't want that to be your reality and if you don't want other people to dictate your success, then you have to take it upon yourself to make a move. That's it. It's really simple. Not easy to do, but it's really simple. No, I think that's great advice because I think people who are listening are they want to do great things, but sometimes this thing called fear just stops them or puts doubt in their head. And so is there any other advice or lessons you would give someone to kind of help keep them pushing forward? I think we all know that, yes, I have to take action if I want to move the ball forward and be successful. But sometimes it's hard for people to get past that fear. You have any other advice for them? Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to start thinking about who do you look up to? You know, who, who in your life do you idolize and why? And who in the industry that you want to be in is somebody that you aspire to be? And then spend time watching them. I'm going to give you a great example. So I have right now, like I said, 10 great chefs, cooks, and bakers on TikTok under the name The Food Renegades. Okay. Check it out on TikTok. And they're all great in their own unique way, but that doesn't mean they all have the same skill sets. So we just did a deal with QVC. We're working with them to actually test TikTok. So my agency is the test agency for QVC on TikTok. Like, that's cool. I, I, I never would have thought, right? So it's really exciting for us. So the three chefs are three chefs that they're testing with initially. I got each of them on the phone individually. And here's what I said. I said, go to YouTube, find the Emerald Lagasse air fryer infomercial and watch it five times. And then when you're done with that, turn on QVC, find out when the cooking hour is and watch what they do because it's the same. And here's what the same is. They make everything effortless. They make everything seem like you got to have it. And they're very, very comfortable and not making you feel like they're selling you anything, that they're actually just giving you insight into something that you probably already want. That's an amazing skill to have. Not everybody has that. So that's, that's what I did. I gave them insight into who they can emulate, who they could learn from. You have to keep learning. Like I said, I'm 54. I'm always learning. I never stop learning. If you stop learning, you're dead, at least in business. How do I compete against guys in their 20s, right? It's not a physical thing. It's a mental thing. And the only way to keep your mental acuity at a high level is continue to move that muscle continue to challenge yourself, continue to find ways that you can put yourself in a position that you've never been before. That's the most exciting thing for me. When I do stuff like the QVC thing that I've never done before, I wake up in the morning really excited because that's what gets your heart you know, going as an entrepreneur and as a business person, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. Find avenues that you've never done before, never seen before and chase it and chase it like a dog with a bone and be the best at it you can possibly be. And what you'll realize when you get done running, that you've outpaced the competition and they're never going to catch up to you. And I'll tell you, you can deal with your own insecurity, not let it overcome you, fight it like hell, but know that you're, you're that way because you want to be the best and put all your positive energy into that. 
into trying to be the best, boy, I'll tell you, great things will happen. And before you know it, you're going to start feeling good about yourself. And that's sort of the way that you get through the feelings of insecurity. That's a great perspective. So talk to us. You're a serial entrepreneur, built many successful companies. Let's go back to your first company that you built. Talk to us about what that first year going through the entrepreneurial journey was like. Every entrepreneur that I talk to talks about the the roller coasters and how there's ups and there's downs. So what was that first year like for you? Okay, so I'm a horrible person to ask this because while I made like $22,000 that year, which was nothing, I lived in the sixth floor of a of a beautiful apartment overlooking the ocean in Marina del Rey because my wife was an agent that worked at a big agency and made a lot of money. <laughs> so so I lived so much better than I could have afforded. Like I don't even think I could have afforded the zip code, much less that building. But so what I did was I woke up early like I do every day and I watched the sun rise over the Pacific Ocean and I opened my back door right near the nook where my office was. If you can call it an office, it was a nook. And I listened to the ocean and I just sat there and I dreamed the biggest dreams. And little by little, what I realized was if I continue to outwork people, great things are going to happen. And when I started my business, for the most part, I represented only Olympic athletes, but I didn't represent some of the like superstars that I went on to represent. I started off by representing people nobody had ever heard of before. But what happened was I worked so hard, I started getting those people on things like QVC. I got them TV commercials, both locally, regionally, and nationally. I got them big campaigns with large corporations. And then all of a sudden, the big names in the Olympic movement started seeing like these people that they looked down on, never would have thought of being as a superstar, a star, getting these big campaigns. And I started getting calls from Mark Spitz, and I represented Bruce Jenner and Chris Jenner for 10 years, and Jackie Joyner-Kersey and Greg Luganis, and like all these huge names. And then I started recruiting incredible young athletes like Nastia Luke and the gymnast who won five gold medals and all these other athletes. And I just built this business. And yeah, look, I was a pariah in the sport because I wouldn't let the athletes take crap from the Olympic Committee, the governing bodies, or anybody else. And ultimately, I left because I saw no opportunity to make any money. But for a while... Man, I ruled, I ruled that sport and I ruled part of the Olympics and it was fun. I love chasing windmills and I, I love being the agitator because if you don't have something to stand up for, in this case, my clients, then what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Some people can do that, but me, the way I'm wired, I like a good fight because I, if I'm in the right, you're never going to get me to back down. And my clients saw that and they love that because nobody ever fought for them. Except for the coaches. Coaches are great people. But other than their coaches, nobody fought for them from a corporate standpoint. And I was getting them big deals and we were fighting for more money and rights. And man, it was a great journey. I'll never regret any of it. Uh, It was an amazing time to be there. I've been to six Olympic Games. I've met and worked with some amazing people. But, you know, at the end of the day, time changes. And I just saw the end of the commercialism for the Olympic athlete because the machine behind it was getting too big and too thirsty and was sucking all the money out of the Olympics. And I think that's where it is right now. Well, it sounds like you had a great run though, great experiences while you were doing that. And so a lot of high performing people, people that outwork others, they tend to have a routine that they do to kind of get them going in the morning. Do you have a routine? Yeah. Wake up. (laughs) No, that's it. I wake up. Listen, I'm up at four o'clock in the morning. You know, you've gotten texts and emails from me. I'm up at four o'clock in the morning. Man, my mind just starts racing either with things I have to do or things that I need to do or things that I want to do or things that I've been thinking about all weekend or whatever all day. And so my day starts at 4 a.m. And, you know, I'm just out hustling. 
every day post on LinkedIn every single day. LinkedIn is the most powerful social media platform, period. So if you think Facebook is doing you any favors, try LinkedIn, but really try LinkedIn. And then I start my day. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, I'm getting text messages, I'm getting emails, I'm, you know, all these things are starting to happen simultaneously. And then my day just whips up into a fury. And then, you know, I bang it out till dinner time. And then come dinner time, and that's it. I'm in. You know, I'm done. I'm done by seven. So I put in a long day, right? 13, 14 hour day. But that's what you got to do to be successful. Gotcha. So I know you've given some good advice for entrepreneurs already. How about common mistakes? What what mistakes do you see of uh, people who are trying to find success going the entrepreneurship route? So the reason I started my company, Slev Experts, was because I met so many great, great entrepreneurs inventors, small business owners that were great at one thing and sucked at another. So the first thing is you got to be more well-rounded, right? So if you're a great inventor and you came up with like the best mousetrap ever and you actually found out how to manufacture it, right? That's not easy. It's not easy. Let's say you found out the manufacturing. Great. So now you're, you're an inventor, you're a manufacturer. What do you know about sales and distribution? Probably not much. What do you know about logistics? Mm, Probably not much. What do you know about social media marketing? Mm, Probably not much. What do you know about digital ad buying? Mm, Probably not much. Are you going to be successful? Not with two skill sets, you're not. So I think you've got to really think about how are you going to become a five skill player? Because if you do everything right that you know how to do and you still don't know how to do these other three things, it's just not going to work. And it's not going to work because unfortunately, There's just other people that may not have your product, but they'll have products that are similar enough, but know how to do those other things. They'll be selling on Amazon. You haven't figured out Amazon yet, right? They're going to figure out how to sell direct to consumer through their website. Why? Because they know how to use social media influencers. They've got landing pages on their website with unique video. They're creating all kinds of video content. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where you have to know everything If you plan on being successful or you're going to be missing the things that you need most to take products to market. That's what that's what I see time and time again. Now, in my Move the Ball book, I talk about this concept that we all have these fourth down moments in our life and we need to decide what we're going to do so that we can go for it and get the next first down. So can you give us an example in your entrepreneurial career of a fourth down moment and what you did to convert that to the next first down for you? My most recent fourth down moment, by the way, I'm sorry if it's loud in here. There's a twister blowing through Raleigh, North Carolina. So if all of a sudden it goes flatline, you know that I probably got blown away with the house. (laughs) And I think I just saw a cow. Sorry about that. Anyway, in terms of the fourth down moment, I mean, I had Premier Management Group or PMG Sports for 27 years. You know, I probably ran $90 million worth of business through that company. Right. So it's not some like dumpy little nothing agency. It's a pretty prominent agency. And I just woke up one day, went on the website for GoDaddy, started looking for URLs, found one I like, the digitalrenegades.com, bought it. And within 48 hours, we had a website. And I just got rid of the company that I had done everything with before. Everything. It was in the fourth quarter. Had I not changed and gone into the pandemic with the lineup of clients I had and the business I had, I literally would have been beyond PPP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, PPP. It would not have been enough and it would not have saved me. I li- I'd be out of business today. I am sure of that as I'm sure of anything. And so 
I feel fortunate. You know, I, I read the tea leaves right. I was very fortunate. Not everybody has been, and I'm very empathetic about that. Sharon, you and I have talked before about how I also shifted uh, shifted my business uh, because of the pandemic. And I think it's important as entrepreneurs, we need to be aware of what's going on in the environment and be ready to adapt and shift as we need to, to continue to be in business. And so I know you were building a team with, with digital renegades. So talk to us about what kind of things were you looking for uh, when you were hiring people to be a part of your new company? What attributes, what characteristics? Okay. So first of all, I am the worst hirer ever. <laughs> I'm just going to admit that. I, I'm, I'm not very good at it. I've hired some really great people who've had great success with my company. And then I've also hired people that I've, I've fired like in nine days. And I just apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. I did a horrible job of interviewing you. I thought you were somebody that, you know, you weren't. And that's not their fault. You know, honest to God, like that was my fault. I did not do a good enough job of vetting people. Sometimes I like get a feel like, hey, this person could really. Sometimes I sell myself into it. It's like salespeople. They're the easiest people in the world to sell. It's, I don't know why that is. It is, it is like when I, when it comes to buying a car, I let my wife do it. She's an animal. She gets the best deals. Me. Yeah. I'll pay, I'll pay sticker. I, I don't know why that's the, the way it is. She's just better at it than I am. Point is that I feel like today the hiring process has changed, right? So I would never use a service. I'm not paying somebody to find somebody. I, I'm just, I'm too arrogant. I've used LinkedIn. Honest to God, I put up an ad like for the last job that I just filled, which was a social media manager. I had 305 resumes, people that applied for the job. Look, 150 of them were people that were like had non-related jobs. So that was a waste. But I literally had about 200 qualified candidates that I you know, had to review. I had to really take a look at. And in the end, interestingly enough, I did not hire the person with the most skills. I ended up hiring somebody because she came from an entrepreneurial family. She just graduated college. I'm putting my money on somebody that grew up around what it takes to be a success in an entrepreneurial environment. Anyway, so the point is, I think when you're hiring people, you have to find somebody that like represents your corporate culture, somebody that you know you feel comfortable with, that has the skill sets. I interviewed all kinds of people. It was really an interesting process because if you think about it, you know, like the conversations that go on in the NFL, they, I think it's the Rooney rule, right? Where you have to uh, interview at least one or is it two African-American coaches? Yes. Well, I, you know, I, I, I thought about that maybe more than ever before. And I interviewed all kinds of people from all kinds of ethnic backgrounds and, you know, gender and everything else. And I found it actually to be a really inspiring process because I got to meet some amazing people that, honest to God, really have come a long way in their career that have had success. And, uh, you know, sadly, because of the pandemic, they lost their job for one reason or the other. But really, there's a lot of talent out there. There's a lot of people that are learning, that are burning the matchstick on both ends, that are really striving to be great. And it really made me feel good about the industry I'm in. I was really, really excited about the quality of candidates that are out there. And it made me feel like if I ever needed somebody else, either for this position or another one, I know where to go and I, I know who's out there. And now I've met some really good people and left it on really good terms. You mentioned you that you put an ad on LinkedIn, free ad, a posting. And I saw the, the postings that you had put looking to hire people. And I think LinkedIn is a great place to find great quality candidates, professional people that uh, bring a lot to the table. So if you're uh, looking to grow your team uh, to those listening, I mean, look, use LinkedIn as a great way to find talent. Well, that and, you know, last thing I'll tell you about LinkedIn is 
if you're not building your brand on LinkedIn, I don't care what your job is. I don't know. I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or you're, you know, somebody in a company, you're an idiot. LinkedIn is the greatest search tool ever. And I don't just mean for jobs. I get leads through LinkedIn all the time. It's money. I had a conversation today. I had a conversation with somebody that like hit me up yesterday night at eight o'clock at night. And he wanted to get on the phone then. I'm like, I'm not getting on the phone at 8 o'clock at night. I don't even know what I'm doing, to be honest. I think I just ate so much dinner, I couldn't even breathe. Probably wouldn't have been a good conversation. I said, can we talk tomorrow? And we talked today. And it's like an emerging company with massive investors that are looking to get into the celebrity, entertainer, influencer space as spokespeople for their brand new company. I'm like, this is incredible. You can literally be found if you do your LinkedIn bio well enough, which, honest to God, there's a science to it that you could be found in search. I know because I get those words every week. It tells me how many times I was found and what words I was found for and what quality of person, whether it's like a founder or a, you know, CEO, president, whatever. And I work towards that. I change up my bio all the time. I move things around. You know, If you're looking to either build your business or build your reputation, LinkedIn's the place. And then don't just change your bio and sit there. Do something about it. Comment on people's stories You know, in the industry that you're at. I mean, obviously, you want to make sure that you sound intelligent, so don't comment on things you don't really know about, but get involved with the community. Like, that's what social media is all about. People forget that. So, you know, you have to figure out how to find yourself a community, no matter how old or how young your community is for your product or your company, but you have to build that community or otherwise you're going to be on the outside looking in. Absolutely. Completely agree because people buy from people they know, like, and trust. And when they feel like they're a part of a community and of something, the likelihood of them buying what you have to offer is so much greater. So thank you for sharing all of those points. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to, I do this thing called the two minute drill where I just ask seven fun questions. So I would like to do that with you now. Are you ready? Yeah, of course. All right, here we go. What's your favorite food? Pizza. What kind? New York pizza. Okay, that's right. You're from New York. New York pizza is good. <laughs> What's your favorite movie? That's a good question. I think my favorite movie of all time is either Apocalypse Now, Caddyshack, or the original Rollerball. Okay. And how about what is your uh, favorite professional sports team? Jeez. You know, it meanders. It used to be the Knicks, but then I represent some of the New York Knicks, and I'm like, I don't really like this anymore. <laughs> um I, you know, for better or for worse, I, I think I'm always going to be a New York Jets fan through and through. I'm looking at a Joe Namath signed helmet on my desk. So let's go Joe Namath and Jets. Okay, there you go. Uh, what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? Yeah, that's, wow. I've gotten so many good pieces of advice. I, I would say, I, here's the best one. I actually, uh, post working for technology companies, I actually started a company, an event management company with a with a CEO slash board member of one of the companies. And I was out uh, a Sunday partying with a bunch of friends, came in on on Monday and told his personal assistant when she asked me, hey, you look a little tired. And I said, yeah, I was out partying all weekend. Uh, I was actually a 50% owner of the company. That afternoon, he closed the company. So I learned a lesson. And I think the lesson is, you know, as cool and as fun as you are and, you know, for better or for worse, you know, you got to live your life. But sometimes you got to sacrifice the good life to actually find the real life that you want. I think that's the best advice I learned. Okay. And then uh, if there was another best piece of advice that you would give someone, what would it be? I think the best advice I could ever give anybody is if you have the free time Watch as much Shark Tank as you can. I, I'm, I'm an addict, man. I, I like mainline that stuff. 
I learned so much from that. And even if it's informationally, I don't learn, it's just the interaction because I'm, I'm always in big meetings. I'm always closing deals. I'm always asking for the business. I'm always asking for the check. And if you're not, then you're not really in business. Like I'm in business. You could be in your own version of business. But if you're in like my version of business, watching Shark Tank is inspiring. Absolutely. I, I am like, comatose watching that stuff i don't move i just watch it and i just smile and laugh and like oh man that was good oh that was a bad negotiation you know like it's so cool to see and i aspire someday to have a company or a product that i can go on and match wits with those people because i respect them all to to the highest level I want to be in that game. So yeah, I think that's my best advice. I would agree with that. I have a 17-year-old daughter who's the CEO of an investor-backed company. I am not the investor. That's the important part. It's not <laughs> like she just got me to fund her. So she actually uh, <laughs> had an investment group that uh, vetted her business, her and her, her team's business. But anyway, she watches Shark Tank all the time. She loves it. It's a great show. I get energized from it. Great critical thinking, great uh, strategic discussions that are are had on the show. So that's a, a great thing to suggest to people to do. Okay. Next question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? That I have had uh, two hip replacements. A lot of people don't know that. And the first one, I almost died. So that was a really big uh, thing in my life. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, I, I think a lot of people have a perception of me because that's what I put out there, right? Like, isn't that the whole thing? I've, I've been very successful in one thing that I've put out a perception of who I am and that's who most people think I am. And, sure. And if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Well, like I said before, the only, <laughs> the only one superhero in my life, and his name is Joe Willie Namath. <laughs> if, if I could be any person in the world, I would be Joe Namath because if, if you can only understand what what a unlikely predicament the AFL back in the day, most of the people listening to this are like, what's he talking about? But you know what? If you're old enough, you know that the AFL was sort of like the broken stepchild to the NFL. And the Baltimore Colts were the reigning champions and the big, big dogs. And when Joe Namath rolled into the Miami Orange Bowl and predicted that they were going to win, everybody scoffed at him. And when he rolled off that field with his finger pointing up, that was the beginning of an era in New York sports like no other, right? You know, you had Walt Frazier in the Knicks. You had Joe Namath. You had, you know, the Yankee championships, the Mets championships. It was, you know, New York was title town for a lot of years. So, I don't know, growing up in that environment, always having a playoff game, always having like champions and heroes to watch and starting with a guy like Joe Namath, couldn't ask for a better role model. Quick question. Where did Joe Namath play college football? Oh, come on. University of Alabama. That's right. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, baby. <laughs> roll Tide. I got, I got more Alabama sweatshirts. Look, living here in North Carolina, everyone's like, Roll Tide. And I think I went to Alabama. It's like, Shh, I'm Jewish and I went to Syracuse. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our listeners know that I am a two-time Alabama alum. So I just had to throw that out. That's right. Go, go Alabama. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Bear Bryant. Oh, the whole thing is just... It's magic for me. And people that hate Alabama hate when I say that, but I don't care. <laughs> well, I'm hoping we have some college football this fall. Yeah, right? yeah. We're going to have something. Thing. We may have the COVID bowl, but we're going to have something. <laughs> we'll see. Well, Evan, uh, as we wrap up today's show, uh, tell our listeners, what's the best way for them to follow you, get a hold of you and connect? So LinkedIn, it's Evan, E-V-A-N, and then Morgenstein, M-O-R-G-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. The Digital Renegades, you can go to our website. It's The Digital Renegades. 
and you can you know hit me up there. LinkedIn's always the best, or you can email me if you really want to talk to me at Evan at Celeb C E L E B Experts E X P E R T S dot com. Perfect. And we will have all of those in the show notes as well. And thank you so much for being on our show today, Evan. It's been a true pleasure. Oh, uh, you're amazing. Love what you're doing. And I'm so thrilled you asked me to be on. So thanks again. And you stay safe. Okay. Thank you. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to move the ball to see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball. Check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.